I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this episode is recorded, the Gubby Gubby people. I would also like to acknowledge the First Nations peoples and language groups across this entire nation in which conception, pregnancy and sacred motherhood knowledge has been shared. We pay our deepest respects to their elders past, present and emerging and further extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hello, hello and welcome. You are listening to the Oxytocin Hour. I'm your host, Dana. I'm a midwife, mum of five and all-round oxytocin enthusiast. People are all too willing to share their negative experiences of conception, pregnancy, labour, birth and beyond. The Oxytocin Hour is your safe haven, filled with positive experiences from mums, dads, doulas, midwives and everyone in between. Each week we will release a new episode with the intent to uplift and inspire you. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Now, let's get into today's episode. This and every episode of the Oxytocin Hour is strictly for entertainment purposes and is not to be used as medical advice. Welcome back to another episode of the Oxytocin Hour. On today's episode, our guest is Sarah. Sarah is an ex-midwife, a doula, an educator, and a mum of three from Melbourne. She is she also runs the Midwife Mummy page on Instagram. Thank you so much for joining me, Sarah. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm very excited too. I'm like, oh, we can talk about so much stuff together. Yeah, um, too much. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry. Yes, I can edit things later. But um, yeah, we've got a lot of things to say. And I don't have a particular topic in mind. I just thought that we could just chat about all the things. Um, I've got some questions down here and some topics we could sort of delve into, but I really think if we're just left to our own devices, we will just cover and flow with some really amazing things. Does that sound good? That sounds great. I think, yeah, the best things happen organically anyway with, with these conversations. Absolutely. All right. So let's start with, as we were talking about before we started recording, yeah. um, birth prep. Yes, um, big one. A very big, very big topic. <laughs> um, yeah. So give me your thoughts about birth prep. Well, I think that it needs to start, honestly, like preconception, which is mm-hmm. probably a, a shock for a lot of people because – um, well, I guess unless, you know, you're not planning to get pregnant, um, a lot of people will then will get pregnant, but not really think about what care they want, what pregnancy care they want. You know, they've just got this, you know, generic kind of perception in their mind about how pregnancy should be and where they should birth and not really put much thought into it especially before they're being educated on things like labor physiology and, you know, what interventions they want and don't want, what kind of birth, you know, do they want and do they not want, um, what mm. things do they want to avoid. And I think a lot of this kind of happens after they get educated, which is a lot of the time later on in the pregnancy. And it's, I feel like it's, it's too late. Mm, yeah. It um, oftentimes is too late, especially if it's like if you're talking in terms of, um, you know, what model of care you want or who, yeah, who it is that you want to work with because then it's like, oh, yep, I would like to have a home birth. Okay, you're supposed to book in like months ago now. Like it's just stuff yeah. that people don't know. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, so I think that labour prep and, or birth prep should start before you even have kids Mm. and really I think the first question to kind of ask yourself is when I imagine this is what I do for all my clients um, regardless where they are in their journey I ask them when you I want you to imagine your dream birth and I want you to take out any fear that you have any concerns or anything like that. I just want you to picture if everything was to go perfectly, what is your dream birth? Close your eyes, picture your dream birth. Where are you? 
What are you doing? Who's with you? What's the energy like in the room? What does the room look like? All that kind of stuff. And then you go from there. Yeah. And Um, usually what is it that people want? Honestly, a lot of people see them birthing their baby in their home. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, well, I think a lot of the time it's the fear that gets in the way from them pursuing their dream birth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of people are just like, it's just calm and dark and quiet and like they're in their own home. And which is like what we want to do as mammals instinctually, isn't it? It's like, that's when you take, yeah, all the extra thinking out of it. When you imagine something that, that just feels so raw to you it makes sense that that's it's a similar theme or the similar birth that absolutely everyone is thinking about because that's what we're hardwired to want and to need in our births. Yeah, and uh, something else that comes up a lot of the time is women will dream about their birth as well. I dreamed about my birth like nearly mm. nearly every night. I don't know if it's like that for you, but um, I have clients that are birthing in the hospital. Yes, and they've had dreams of having their baby at home and they've they've not had dreams of having their baby in the hospital. They've had dreams of having their baby at home. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about that. How did that, how did you feel in that moment? Were you scared or were you happy? Like, and they're like, oh my God, it was like the best feeling in the world. And I grabbed my own baby and pulled them out and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, is this your subconscious trying to tell you something? Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And also when you were just talking before, I was thinking going back to like, you know, birth prep preconception and how the decisions that we, you know, all the different decisions that we can make, it's like you're basing your decisions when you allow yourself to get pregnant and then start deciding stuff, start to do your birth prep, you're allowing your decisions to come from just whatever subconsciously has been sitting there over the years and whatever impact that might be. And that could be like negative stuff that you've heard your mom or your aunties or whoever say, or negative shit that you've seen in movies or TV shows. Um, yeah, well, that's a that's where a lot of people get their information on birth from is from TV mm. shows, movies, people's stories. Yeah, um, especially you know another thing that holds women back, I guess, is their partner's kind of view on birth and their their partner's fears as well. Oh so, my god! Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think. Um, birthing classes and labor education and birth education a lot of women are doing it you know 20 30 weeks pregnant Mm. um a lot of uh, classes are designed to be you know after 25 weeks or I remember when we're in hospital we would say the best time to do you know birthing classes is like 28 to 32 weeks but a lot of the time all the education that happens is, you know, I know is in my classes. And after my classes, a lot of couples will be like, well, what I thought I wanted, I actually don't want that. Mm, And then they're like, but I feel like it's too late to be changing things. Yeah. I think that's a really common theme as well. Like if I, if I've got classes for people to go through it. And it's usually a mixture of people. Like some people are, you know, doing private, some are doing public, some are home birthing. Yeah. Very often people will go, oh my gosh, I want to have a home birth now. Yeah. Um, And that's not to say that that's like, I don't want this to come across to people. Like I think that everyone should have a home birth because that's not true. Yeah, and I don't honestly, I don't believe that either. And some people, (laughs) some people don't think that about me. But I, you know, if you're fucking terrified, exactly, you're forcing yourself, yeah, and you're forcing yourself to do something that you really don't want to do, then like that's not going to be good for you either. So, you know, um, yeah, 
but as I you think will that's see. to get across because I feel like a lot of people can look at my page or your page and think oh my god they're just like anti everything and so pro like everyone should have a baby at home I'm like no that's not it if you've if you're holding so much fear around being at home or that's bringing up some really negative stuff for you that is not the safest or best place for you to give birth yeah that's not yeah like but on the flip side again Mm -hmm. I feel like most women again Mm -hmm. when they take the fear out of the equation it's undeniable like it's just facts that birth physiology happens better at home. Birth outcomes are better at home. Like you can't deny those facts. Absolutely. Um, I think it's just like if they're in, if you're already pregnant and it's like someone's like, yeah, you should have a home birth and you've got all these fears that you can't even begin to, some people can't even recognize. Yeah, they're not even conscious. They're not even like you haven't even acknowledged what what they are. But there's something there. Yeah. Yeah, then it's like, okay probably don't do it at home but if people are willing to work through things and go oh my god this fear came from you know something that my friend said or this fear came from some post I saw on Instagram about something going wrong then you can start working through it and go oh fuck like this this is something that I want and something that's good for me so it's so like it's so not black and white is it no it's not it's like there's so many layers as well Mm. yeah but no that's I thought that was a good thing to bring up yeah Um, but yeah again the education about your body knowing your body needs to happen prior to conception honestly I think that it needs to start with um being more connected to your body just as a woman yes 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 agree recognizing your cycle Mm. um having that connection with, you know, your bleeds as well and just being more intuitive with your body. Like that's where it needs to start. Yeah. And I think that flows on to everything else. Absolutely. But then when you just think back to, and I guess it always can be brought back to our rites of passage. So Uh, if we think about like menarche and, you know, so when people get their period and it's like, I don't know if if they're entering that in a weird headspace or, or you know whatever's going on in their life it can it flows on to therefore when you fall pregnant you have your baby and then the way that you mother and then that probably flows into how you go through menopause it's like we really oh my need God. to honestly have have, yes. you read, have you read the book wild power no I haven't oh my God you need down. to you need to right um, I'm I have changed photo. I have changed so much once I understood a, like a girl and a woman's rite of passages, like those mm. rites of passage and understanding all of that and the significance of it and the spirituality side of it. Like yeah. I feel like once I learned all of that, it was like I a, it was like a piece of me was missing that I didn't even know was missing. Yeah, yeah. And once I learned all of that and had that knowledge, I felt so, I don't know, complete. Like that piece was now, I don't know, part of me. I love that. And, yeah, it feels like I'm so grateful to, I don't know, have learned all of that. Mm. Um, And I feel like it's just so important. Like every woman needs to know all of that. Right. And I yeah. feel like as mothers now and knowing what we know, I would definitely read that book. I do know about rites of passage, but like I've done a previous episode about it, but where I was like, I'm not an expert, but I would love to know more. Yeah. Um, so we can start to change that by like, and I'm, I've, my eldest daughter is 11 turning 12. So yeah. It's such an important time in her life. Well, I guess every time is important. But, like, as we approach this, I'm being really mindful of how I can really help her through this experience or through this transition to make sure that I'm really helping to set her up for, you know, all the good things as she goes through it. And hopefully that will impact her, like, mothering when she goes down that track. Well, so, definitely. I think the way um, 
the way people respond to you and the way you respond to having your first bleed will Mm. then impact the way you see your body, um, like your self-love, your self-care, how you see your bleeds for like the rest of your life. And then again, like we've just been saying, how it um, flows on through, you know, pregnancy and birth and stuff. So I think it's so important for that to be celebrated and for her to be celebrated and for her body to be celebrated and for her to understand what's happening with her body. Mm. And and I've said that to her. Well, she knows like about periods, blah, blah, blah. We're very, very open in this house. But I'm like, you know, if she's ever brought up something, I'm like, oh, that will be such an exciting time. Like that's when it sort of marks your journey into womanhood, like blah, blah, blah. And I don't want it to feel essentially like the bottom line is how I felt when I had my first bleed because it was like actually really shameful and quite traumatic for me and I won't go into it but Mm. just to be able to change that story like in the next generation's life is like really exciting as well because it's like wow we can really make some positive change here definitely you should throw her a period party yes (laughs) lots of cultures lots of cultures do that right yeah so like we just are celebrating her like yeah it's literally a party because she got her period right yeah I think everyone in the household will be down for that as well because it means cake and everybody likes cake yeah yeah (laughs) so they'll be like yep let's do it because yeah and I know her as a person she might feel a little bit like shy about it but it's like it doesn't even have to be this ginormous spectacle like I don't want you to feel uncomfortable it's just it is something to be celebrated though yeah definitely and also do you have sons I do yeah so I've got three girls and two boys so it's a mm. yeah full full house beautiful yes (laughs) (laughs) but for Um, them to witness that as well so to be like wow this is something to be like um, to be celebrated and a beautiful thing that that females go through. Yeah, um, it's like new life. Um, yeah, and to be respected as well, and not have boys. I remember, oh my god, if anyone found out that you had your period at school, like your life was over. Right. You know, or you're in yes. your rags. Oh, that you know, it's disgusting. There's all this like shame and yes. you know the yuck factor about it. Whereas, shouldn't be like that absolutely and so my eldest is a boy and he's 14 so it's you know at that age as well I'm like hoping that how I am is positively impacting him about how he thinks about women as well so you know when I've got my period everyone in the house knows it and it's not like oh I've got my period but it's like yeah I just want these things to be so normalized yeah they should be yeah absolutely and so like I'm just finishing my bleed now but when on the first day I need heat packs like I've got lots of cramping and he'll be like oh mum do you want me to go put the heat pack in the in the microwave for you I'm like yes please like it's just a very this is what you do like we look after women yeah Um, that's beautiful which excites me because I'm like oh my gosh hopefully he's like you know a really great partner one day if he decides to be, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. I don't know. It's my brother, <laughs> when yeah. I first got my period, I was, I was like crying, whatever. Um, <laughs> and my older brother was like, are you okay, Sid? Do you want me to, do you want me to like sleep in your room with you? Do you, do you want anything? Like he was so like caring oh, so and sensitive, but that's how he is. He's very sensitive. Um, I love that. Yeah, but he was, yeah, he was, it was so nice. Like he was so beautiful. Um, That's what we need. That's what we need, like boys and men to be like. Yeah. Um, Which is really cool to think about as well. So if we can make impact from their earlier years and then hopefully it'll just, you know, we're like changing generations, hopefully. Yeah, I reckon. (laughs) Starts there. Um, I've also had the thought about this and I'd be curious to know what you think. I'm like, I've had this conversation many times about birth prep and about 
specifically models of care and people not knowing what's available to them. And I'm like, imagine if we knew this, like, I don't know if we've thought about it in high schools, like, should it be mandatory to learn about this stuff? And then I'm like, they probably don't really care about that at that age to even remember what options are. You know what I mean? But I feel like there's a link missing between being you know like a late adolescent and in that early 20s phase to have education about okay when you are thinking about having children it's actually quite important to know what your options are like I don't know how we can bridge that gap but look honestly again I think it just comes from cycle awareness Mm. like for girls to again understand their body understand what their body's doing Their body doesn't do things for no reason. This is how your body works. This is how much like wisdom and knowledge your body holds and becoming intuitive in your cycle because our cycles every single day of our life, it's not just five days a month that we bleed. We're we're cyclical, like monthly cyclical, you know? Yes. Um, And so if girls are brought up, being intuitive with their feelings, with their body. How are they feeling? How does their body feel? Is Does something feel wrong? Does it feel, you know, is everything feeling good? What's your bleed like? Are there any issues? When they can be intuitive like that with their body from adolescence, I think that will then flow on to, okay, well, I'm going to get pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. It's going to involve my body. So I really should know what's happening with my body during pregnancy and what are my options for birth and stuff. I honestly reckon it starts from there. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes so much sense as well. And then furthermore to like probably the lesser known rite of passage is your own birth yourself. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so yeah, if if we can begin to change, you know, how... Um, you know, girls think about their periods and, and that sort of phase. Yeah, because Absolutely that is bad. relevant to them. So they will, you know, maybe having babies and breastfeeding would not be relevant to a 15-year-old because they're like, I know when I was 15, I'm like, oh, I'm not, I don't need to worry about having kids because that's in like 10, 15 years. So yes, whatever. Yes. But a, your period is going to be relevant to them. And if you're teaching mm. them lessons that are relevant for your periods and they're also the same lesson is relevant during pregnancy then it kind of flows into the other yes and do you feel like having so much more knowledge of this and you know sort of healing through your your especially like your latest birth to be like as you approach menopause in a long time but one day it will be here do you feel like that's going to change because I remember growing up I just thought menopause was shit you get hot flashes that's all I knew about it Mm. always talking about gaining weight and it's just like this negative time but I've only just recently thought holy shit like this could actually be a really transformative like powerful time of my life as well just like I found giving birth was it is. And again, mm. honestly, read that book that I mentioned. Yeah. Because it will change your life. <laughs> I'm excited. We'll have I've to started... do a follow-up episode about like, you know, like a book review. Yeah. Once you've read it, then we, we'll chat all about it. Then we'll it. chat. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that was the main thing I wanted to, yeah, like get into that sort of menarch thing because I was like, this is so important about the way that people are like our attitudes towards going through all of these things. Needs but also to, to older people, the older yes. generation. Yeah. But they've got, they've got the most knowledge and wisdom, you know? Mm. So, know, yeah, like they've got all of it and it's just like. We don't okay. give them credit or respect that they deserve. Mm. It's like we've stopped, not stopped completely, but just over the years, that's, I mean, that is what traditional midwifery is about, like having had handed down generations of knowledge and now it's just like discounted. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to also ask you about your decision to 
um, become unregistered. Yeah, it was just <laughs> like I knew it was it was always coming because from the time I realized after I had RAF, which was nearly four years ago, mm-hmm. um, I was and on you've got that. Three children. You've got, I've got three kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. is it girl, boy, boy? Yes. Yes. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So after I had RAF, I I was planning on going back to work. And then COVID hit and I'm like, I'm not going back for a few different reasons. Um, Firstly, the mandates. Mm. Secondly, I just, I'm not wearing a hazmat suit and a mask while I'm caring for women during the most important time of their life. Mm. I want them to be able to see my face, for me to smile at them for them to feel comfortable and I'm just I just didn't want to take part in that or telling or you know being the rule keeper and saying sorry you're not allowed in this room sorry you can't do that you can't do this your mum can't come and see you you know I didn't want to be that person to hold those rules because it just really clashed with my values and that makes sense because there was a lot of midwives that like felt that way as well. I, I was actually in the same boat, whereas like I was on maternity leave and then the whole COVID thing happened and I was like, oh, well, thank God I don't need to make the decision to go back because I was still, you know, receiving maternity leave payments. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, um, I didn't follow the rules when I was there firstly, so... <laughs> To be following extra rules, I'm just like, nah, I'm not doing this. Like, this is too much. Yeah. But I think it was before that. I'm like, I know I'm on maternity leave and I want to take the full year off with Raf because I didn't with Charlotte. I'm like, I just want to savour my leave with my babies. Yes. Yep. Um, so then I done the Hypnobirthing Australia um, practitioner course mm-hmm. training and I loved it. I fell in love with the with teaching that course and yeah. I saw results from it immediately. Um, okay. And that really, I think that was my turning point where I had lots of first time mums coming to do my class and they were all having natural unmedicated births. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a fluke the first couple times. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's so good. How did that happen? You yeah. Know? <laughs> I'm like, how? That's like that's unheard of. Like, what the that's hell? impossible. Yeah. You can't do it. No first-time mum can have a, a natural birth without any pain medication. Yeah. Um, and then it kept happening. And a lot of my clients, first-time mums, were having quicker labours, no epidurals, no pain relief, natural vaginal births. And I'm like, is it the course? Like what is happening? Like it can't be a coincidence now. There's too many of them that it can't be a coincidence. And then it just like from that moment, it just clicked. Like I've had it wrong this whole fucking time. Like, and that was a really big ego hit for me as well. I was just like, Mm -hmm. man, I, what I thought I knew, I know fucking jack shit. Mm, like yep. this oh holding this title of oh my god you're a midwife and you deliver babies and you save women and rah 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 all of that it was like someone punched me in the face <laughs> like get the fuck yeah. over yourself mate yes yeah, yeah. I, I I can I can completely resonate with that because and I'm sorry to interject but like yeah. I was just thinking about like years ago as soon as I like once I was a new grad I, I was like, whoa, this is way different to even being a student. Did you find that? Um, I guess I felt a little bit more out of my depth. Yes. You're yeah. just like, whoa, there's so much. I don't know. I just thought I can't wait till I'm actually a midwife so I can be more with women and less, you know, the student running around doing all these bits and pieces. But it wasn't until I was actually a midwife I was like, wow, I'm barely actually with women. This is not what I thought it would be. Yeah. And then I started yeah. having conversations with other like midwives and, and doulas and all this sort of stuff. And and they're like, I feel the same. And you're like, so everyone, we're all 
have the same, yeah. you know, yeah, the Just same like, walls. Yeah, like I don't feel like I'm helping women in the way that I thought I would. And then someone brought up, well, what if you just weren't a registered midwife anymore and blah, blah, blah. And I remember the thought of that. I was like, no, I can't do that. Yeah. Because it's like I work so hard towards this. Yeah. Um, You know, that was four years of my life of studying. And now I finally have, you know, that coveted registration and grad position. Um, It wasn't, I was like, no fucking way. And then as the years Mm. went on, I was like, sort of flirting with the idea because I'm like yeah, I know it's like do I re-register do I just let it lapse I would always be late re-registering right always <laughs> it'd get to the cutoff point like if you don't register re-register now like you're gonna lose it and I was like oh okay I've got to do it yeah so yeah I feel like it's it's a really common more common than you know for people to sort of go, oh, what if I did this? And then I think a lot of fear comes in for registered. I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but like a yeah. lot of fear does come in and it's like, well, if I'm not registered anymore, then I will not be able to get a job in a hospital. And then it's like, and then what? Well, then you'll have to work for yourself and yeah. find your own clients. And then what? Like, Yeah, it's that it's, leap of faith that you just need yeah, to take. Um, yeah, and how do you feel... Um, or how did you feel when that that registration date was looming and you were like, I'm not going to do it? Well, I kind of gave up my registration before that, before okay. the re-register. Yep. Um, and I just really had to think like, how am I using my registration? And then mm. it was like, well, I'm not. I'm not going to work in a hospital, even yeah. if there were no mandates. I'm not going to go back to working in a hospital. Yeah. And then, you know, I was like, oh, maybe would I do private midwifery? And I'm like, nah, I just don't want to put any energy into jumping through those hoops. Right. Um, Because they, and for anyone listening that isn't aware, they make it very difficult. (laughs) Yeah, you have to have all these accreditations and yeah, yeah. like be endorsed and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. And then it's just like, well, how are you even using your registration? And then this was a conversation with myself. And then like, I'm not using it. If anything, it's actually holding me back because I've been reported to APRA. Right. A few and times. Then, yeah, you've, you've got to be <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, well, what am I doing? you know Mm. so then I'm just like well I don't need it I'm not going to use it yeah and I don't even really like being called a midwife because I think the name is tainted right yeah yeah and so once you did that you were like yeah well you can shove it I'm I'm not going to be a registered midwife anymore was it like how did you feel after that? Did you have like relief or were you like, was there any fear that came up or was it just a wholehearted, that was the right thing? Yeah, no, nah, there was no fear. It was just a bit of a relief. Like um, weight has been lifted. I don't have to worry about, you know, saying the right things and doing the right things and getting in trouble and all that stuff. So yeah, it was actually, it was actually a, a big relief. Mm. that was one like when I I free birthed one of my kids the second last um and you know registered midwife working in two tertiary hospitals at the time and I was like Mm. I don't know when I sort of announced that he was born I wasn't even like this was a free birth it was like oh it was an accident like an accidental home birth and I was just really careful about yeah. how I worded things and said it for fear of people being like, you can't, you know, condone or whatever, influence other people to have a free birth. And it just felt yeah. how sad so is wrong. Yeah. I think people don't understand how much we are limited to say or to do, um, especially, you know, in terms of social media and stuff. And I understand some things are in place because, I don't know, there are a very rare few people that sort of go out there and 
and say some things that are actually incorrect. But yeah, I think people don't understand how much you're in sort of like, I can't think of the right word, <laughs> in a chokehold yeah. with like yeah. being yeah. with APRA because it's like, even in terms of like, so I teach hypnobirthing as well and I am yeah. still registered. However, I'm not working in a hospital right now. And yeah. it's like people don't understand I can't even put testimonies from past clients on my social media because that's not allowed by APRA because I'm a healthcare yeah. professional. But yeah. someone that's not a healthcare professional that is a hypnobirthing practitioner can say, um, oh, you know, Dana, I really liked doing Dana's course and, you know, had this amazing outcome. I can't put that. People yeah. don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, um, you, you're restricted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I totally get that. Um, and I wanted to know what some of your past colleagues, like, do you still speak to them? What was the sort did you get any backlash, like, I'm interested to know that. Um, not really. Mm. I still talk to a few different people that I worked with. Um, yeah. And we're very friendly. So, um, they, you know, a lot of people follow me um, and obviously follow my content. So I guess if they didn't like it, they wouldn't be following me. Mm. Yeah. And also I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's the yeah that's the other thing it's only because I had someone in my inbox the other day after I released my last podcast episode about like birth trauma they were like oh do you receive like a lot of you know your colleagues sort of or ex-colleagues being I don't know offended by what you're sharing and I'm thinking well it's not targeted directly at them and so they sort of went on to say oh because I just copped so much backlash and I was like outcast and I was this and I was that. And I'm thinking, yeah, but if it felt like the right move for you to step away or to speak Mm. your truth, then that shouldn't really bother you because you've literally just being genuine. Yeah. And why doesn't it work the same way? Like, why can't it work the other way? Well, I'm offended that you're in the hospital and doing this, this and this, like, I'm not that saying makes, that. Yeah. Like, do you know okay, what I mean? Yeah. Like you okay, can, you can flip yeah. it, but no one's ever thinking about flipping it to the other side. So mm. you stay in your lane and I'll stay in mine. Yeah. And I think, yeah. yeah. But I think more yeah. people agree than not agree, you know. It's not like, and I think, again, with, you know, free birth and wild pregnancies and things, some people just have this really warped perception of what it is. And it's Mm. like, I am this baby's mother. I have conceived this baby. I have grown this baby. I have put like blood, sweat and tears into this child of mine. Do you think you care about my child more than I care about my child? Or do you think you care about my own safety more than I care about my own safety? That's you know? yeah, that's yeah, that's so important to bring up because people always say how not always, but I often hear people saying how dangerous that is and and as actually especially from midwives being like, "Oh my god, I cannot believe, you know, you did that or that this person did that. That's so dangerous." I feel like it should be more like meaningful if midwives are saying and doing that. Mm. you know um yes but again there's like this pedestal that we put that term midwife on and I say this all the time you know I've got a, a good friend who's a birth keeper and it's like why am I better than you just because I held I held a midwifery registration like you probably know a lot more about physiological birth than I do you've seen 10 times the uh, physiological birth than I have. Yeah. So what, like, why am I, I'm not, I'm not, so I'm not more special or more knowledgeable or more capable than even the mother to like birth a baby. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that, like, I get, I don't know what the word is, but it real that annoys me as well. 
Like, I... It's just like, titles. People love titles. Yeah, it's but like, they they it's like so much meaning and respect to the title. Like, I don't know everything. Yes. You know, I'm not a professional. Like, you would think I'm a professional, but, <laughs> like, I don't know everything. <laughs> and maybe that's something that people need to know you know, about, I remember having a conversation with another midwife in the hospital um, who had been registered for longer than I and working in a hospital for longer than I was. And she was like, I genuinely have never seen a physiological birth of like the placenta or, you know, like a birth from the beginning to the very end, completely just left to its own devices, which is saying a lot because it's like, you're, like as a woman, if you're like planning to go to the hospital to and you want to have like this untouched physiological birth, like you need to know that the person caring for you may never have seen one. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like I think a lot of people give health professionals in the hospital too much credit mm. and they don't deserve that much credit. Well, the one... <laughs> Well, the only physiological ones that I ever really saw in hospital as well were the ones where the midwife had been, you know, understaffed or whatever, and they just haven't been present and things just unfolded as they should have been and without being, you know, touched by a gloved hand or whatever. So, yeah, Yeah. it's just, yeah, I find it really interesting. Um, And quite often people ask me, they're like, are you going to, so when are you going to go? So my last baby, she's uh, 19 months old now. Yeah. Um, And people are going, you know, when are you going to go back to the hospital? A, um, well, I can't. (laughs) Yeah. Even if I wanted to, I technically don't qualify to be able to even work in a hospital. Yeah. Um, due to my status, my vaccination status, but also I don't actually think I'm going to. I, I, I don't think I'm going to go back there. Um, purely, you know, the more I talk about all this stuff and what I think is going on in there and, and the type of quote-unquote care that I'm, like, able to give in there and, and my mental health, witnessing things, um. I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to go back. Yeah. Which is sad when we know that like a very high percent, like over 90% of women in this country are going to hospitals to give birth. It's like, you know, you want to support so much more people, but you just can't do it in that system. Yeah. I'm like, even if I wanted to go back to the hospital, I don't want to go back to the hospital. Like I can't. Um, and then it just opens up this whole new mindset of like, whoa, I can work, I can still do this work outside of it. Like I can still. And there's so much more to do and so much more like meaning that comes with it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And yet I have learned like more attending my clients' births as a doula, whether it's in the hospital or at home, doesn't matter. I've learned more from doing that than I would ever have learned being in a hospital. Right. Like yeah. you don't, people don't even understand how much, you know, I even learned things from doing their um, positive birth program. Yeah. I learned things there than I never learned at the hospital. Yes. And I'm like, why did I not know this? Like I felt embarrassed that I call myself a midwife and yet didn't know how the fucking uterus and cervix worked. Yes. Yep. And, and it's put so simply in that as well. And I feel like as soon as you, it it would take two seconds to learn that. You know what I mean? It's like, why isn't that? Yeah. It, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But also um, I do, I just have like one final question before we wrap it up. Um, what is your opinion of, because you have been present at free births and stuff, what's your opinion of a lot of um, people saying that they think that birth education isn't necessary? So, you know, so this is on the other side of it. So not super yeah. like 
I guess more like wild pregnancy and free birth kind of people being like, you don't need to be told positions for birth and stuff like that. I'm curious to know your opinion. I, if you're having a wild pregnancy and a free birth, then obviously there has to be some kind of trust in your body and your capability. Mm. Um, And so in that situation, if you're not having, I think it is, you know, important to know like how your body's working and what hormones you need and how to kind of facilitate that stuff. Because there are things in free birth that can sabotage you or people can sabotage you even if you're free birthing. Yes. Um, So I think it is important to know about the physiology and how your body works, but I don't think it's important to know what positions to be in and all that kind of stuff Um, because Mm. generally when women are having a free birth, again, depending on who's present, the woman will just intuitively do what she needs to do and is more likely to listen to her body because there's no one there to outsource. So if she's got questions like, what do I do now? I don't know what to do. Like she's not asking anyone because there's no one to ask. There's nowhere to go. There's no one to save her. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to go more internally and just do what she feels she needs to do. Yeah. Surprisingly, the clients that I've had that do have a lot of those questions and I feel like would rely on me more so than others, Mm. I have not made it to their birth. Right. And I feel like it was meant to be that way because I know that if I was there, they would have relied on me a little bit more and they had to do it on their own and birth their baby without me being present. Yeah. So they knew that they had that capability in themselves the whole time. Mm. That's so Um, interesting. That's really cool though. Yeah. To make that correlation between the two. Yeah. Yeah. It just works out that way. Mm. Just because I've, yeah, I've, I just thought I'd ask that last question because I'm noticing more people saying, you know, it's not necessary. And I think it, that really needs to be again, it's not a black and white thing because it's like, who is the woman? How is she feeling? Where is she? But like, what's the plan? It's not just like, oh, just don't do it. Yeah. And I guess it, every woman or every, or like all my clients, even myself, like everyone has different things that they need to work on, whether it be, you know, personally, spiritually, physically, mm. everyone has their own things that they need to work on during their pregnancy to grow and to transform and what's going to help them in their labor and birth. Yeah. Um, And so if you have no idea how your body works or how birth works, some people might get anxious about that and be like, why am I feeling this? Why am I feeling that? But when they've got that information, you know, depending on how their brain works and how they think, then that would be helpful for one woman. Whereas another woman might just be like, no, I know my body's just going to do what it has to do. And I'm fine just knowing that my body will do what it needs to do. And then that's fine. Absolutely. But I I do still think that if you're, regardless what kind of pregnancy and birth you're having, I do think it's important to kind of know what your body's doing, how your body works, you know, if there are emergency situations, what are you going to do in that situation? You know, like you need to have that knowledge and information. You need to be informed. Mm. And I think free birthing mums are the most informed most of the time. Yes. I'm not going to say 100% because it's never 100%. It's never 100%. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah, so the majority of them, I think that's a very common misconception, isn't it? It's yeah, like people, people just think, think oh, I'm just going to have yeah. my baby at home and if I bleed, then I'll just, you know, just have to deal with it and not call an ambulance and just bleed out at home. Yeah. That's what I've chosen. It's not yeah. like that. It's not like that at all. Yeah. yeah. It's so yeah. interesting. Oh, my gosh. And that's like a whole other thing that we can talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Um, but I think we'll wrap it up there because I'm I'm really happy with 
the amount of stuff that we've spoken about and the information and you know anyone listening I feel like they'll, they'll get a lot out of this episode as well and I'm, I'm so grateful for you coming on and and just speaking so openly with me about all these things um I just know that anyone that you care for or that you're educating is just like getting quality which is great like it just makes me happy to know that there's more people out there that are actually like genuinely um giving some some really beautiful care to people so I like following your page as well thank you thank you um, I'm gonna give me a big head now (laughs) (laughs) I'm blushing (laughs) um yeah thank you so much for coming on and hopefully you know you'll come on to a later episode and and maybe we'll talk about you know your personal births or whatever you want definitely I love chatting um (laughs) especially the people who get it because like I can't just have this chat with my partner or like friends that are not in this birth world because they just don't get it it's like you're speaking another language like I okay yeah I'm like do you know what I just said like give it some more like enthusiasm (laughs) (laughs) get into this with me damn it (laughs) to be fair um john very much is into it yes yeah yeah that's the same with my husband but it's like it we can go deeper than that again yeah yeah very true (laughs) all right okay well thanks for listening everyone and tune in to next week's episode Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to share the love or get in contact with us for feedback or a chance to be a guest on the show, you can contact us at www.daisy.com.au. That's www.daisy.com.au. Or on our Instagram at the Oxytocin Hour, all one word. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in and I hope you've gained something positive from listening. Until next time.